With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. The pitter-patter of little feet is a happy sound, except when there are no children home. Could something be lurking under a home, causing an ever-present child? Strange figures are commonplace for one family. Who is the thing they call Fred? Usually it's the ghost who's told to be quiet, but what happens when the ghosts believe the living are the noisy ones? The three boys enter an abandoned building for a night of fun, but will all three make it out, and will they ever be the same? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm rooting for the Royals. How are you? I'm doing uh, wonderful. Good. And uh, you know what else? Uh, we I'm I'm rooting for the uh, uh, the the Red Wing. I don't know. The what? I was going to make up a team name that I didn't know anything about. Oh. Royals. That's Kansas City, right? That's that's yes. where close to where we are. Okay. Th- that's kind of our that's baseball our team. team. Yeah. You know, I enjoy going to a baseball game, but I have such a hard time getting into baseball. So was it torturous the last hour or so that we watched? No, I mean, it's kind of fun because it's like a, a big game. But the thing is, to, I, I'm it's just very, where I'm very... I don't, I'm surprised you get into baseball being as ADD as you are. Um, I I can't get into it. because really? Just because I get, I'm so bored with it. Because it just it moves so slow to me. In my opinion, I'm not knocking anybody who likes baseball. I mean, that's fine. But just for myself, it's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's just like, okay, they threw the ball again. It's just, it's so torturous. I want action. I want, like, exciting things to happen. In an exciting game, that's fun to watch. But it seems there's so few and far between exciting baseball games out there that it's like, okay. Like, I must, like, need someone to pre-watch the game for me and go, okay, this is the one you should watch. Because this this is the one you'll enjoy. Okay, see, I watch baseball, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy it because I feel like it's going the speed where I can do a couple things and not miss out on major stuff. You know, you're right. You really, you could act, you could do that. You're right. That's... If I wanted something on in the background and and feel like I didn't have to sit there and watch every moment of it and I could still do other things, yeah. that makes total sense. You're right. But when I when I watch something or a sporting event or something on TV, which I don't watch all that much of, I I want to get into it. So like a good football game, I can enjoy. But again, that too has to be a really tight, good game. Otherwise, it's lost my attention as well. I'm, I've never been good with sports. Okay, see, baseball I can do, and then basketball, college basketball, I love. That's good. Yeah, that will keep me 
Yeah. Because uh, college basketball is so bam, 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 bam. And it can right. change like that. That engages me. Football, I have a hard time with because it is kind of fast paced, but then kind of not. It's a mm-hmm. whole lot of hurry up and wait. And I get bored with that pretty quick. There can be a lot of that, too. So, yeah. Yeah. What what I get frustrated with the, the college basketball is at the end where it's a really tight game, but then they they have all these they essentially do all these things to to foul each other, and that to me is just like this shouldn't be part of the game. This should not be allowed to happen. Just play the game. Using fouling as a, a strategy just doesn't seem right to me. I I think you missed the beauty in that. I, I get the strategy in it. Okay. I just don't think it's right. I mean, I just I think it. It's a, I think it's it's taking advantage of an uh, aspect of the game that it was not put there for that purpose. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think you're looking at it from a more offensive point of view than a defensive point of view. Because what you're trying know. to do is trying to get the other team to foul you so that you can go up and sure. Shoot. Well, I get that. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm so like not a, a sports person until it's like the end of the season and people are really excited. I just don't. Well, we just spent four minutes talking about sports. How about we talk about ghosts? Hey, there's an idea. Okay. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, that's probably the longest I've ever talked about sports in my life, by the way. <laughs> uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. If you're not an EPP yet, please support the show. That's what keeps us alive without uh, your support, without you guys being EPPs. The show would not be continuing on. So thank you to all those folks who have uh, made that pledge to be an EPP. And uh, we uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get you on board here soon to uh, enjoy the, the comforts and the amenities of being an EPP. Should we tease that we finished the video today? Yes, I want to talk about that. Okay. And, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes because um, that's a pretty cool thing okay. that our, our EPPs are going to get on, in, in, in on here very soon. I got that out. Zach wrote in. Uh, to follow up on something that uh, he uh, did he call this in earlier i believe it was a letter okay hey tony and jenny i absolutely love the podcast i listen to it every night before bed keep up the good work i sent a story about a month ago about a dream that i had where i woke up with a bite mark on my ribs well i do have some follow-up now bite mark what was it a human bite mark Uh, yeah it looked like a human bite mark but he had a dream and there was a shadow figure but it like I believe it knocked over some boxes or something in his room. And then when he was in the shower, his girlfriend saw this bite mark on his oh, side. Okay. You remember I, I, that? Yes. Okay. Continuing on, it says, everything was feeling fine in my apartment until about a week ago. A few nights ago, I was lying in the living room watching TV for uh, uh, for my roommates, to, waiting for my roommates to get home. When I saw a shadow run across the living room, then I heard my bedroom door open. I thought maybe it was just a draft in the house, but when I got up to check... My bedroom door was still closed. For a second, I thought it, I was just uh, going crazy because my bedroom door has a very distinct sound when it opens because of the way the door hangs in the frame and the way it's uh, painted. Uh, it uh, sticks to the frame when you try to open it. It makes fairly loud noise. Do you guys have any input on the subject? That's my story. Thanks again for the amazing podcast. Yeah, I think there's something in your house, Zach. I think that's my input on that story. I think there's something haunting your house. Not quite as in-depth as you want. I don't know what else to say, uh, but I think there's something going on there. Now, I can't remember if he's still in the same place where the bite mark incident happened Mm -hmm. or not, or how long ago that was. So if he's still in the same place, then definitely you've got something going on. If not, then maybe something's following you. 
Yeah, that would make sense. Not happy either way, but I'm, yeah. I'm just curious if this is a new place that's new hauntings or if it's not. I think it might be something that's trying to engage you um, into recognizing it. So I don't know if recognizing it is the best thing to do. So other than that, without knowing more, it's really hard for me to say what I think it is that's going on there. But uh, do keep us updated. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. We would love to hear your Real Ghost Story. In fact, let's go to one of those calls right now, and then we can talk about that little video short film that uh, we have uh, been working on. Uh, Hi, you're on there. Hey, guys. This is Elle from Indiana. I had a story of my great-grandpa coming back from... Uh, I guess the spirit world. Um, <laughs> uh, the short version of it is my grandpa and grandma, or my great grandma, my great grandpa, sorry, they lived on a farm and it had a big old house there. And as the years passed, obviously they got older and couldn't live on their own anymore. And their next door neighbors is actually their son and his wife, which would be my grandma and grandpa. And someone had bought the house after my great-grandparents passed away. They had bought the house and property, uh, and they ended up tearing down the house. And everyone in the family was kind of, they weren't upset with them for doing it. They understood, but it was just kind of like a, oh, man, because everyone had been in that house for Christmas, and it was, a, it was a family house for sure. And they built up a new house on top of it. It's, I mean, nothing huge. Just, it was just a nice house they built. And the family that moved in had a little boy that would ride his bike up and down the lane between the two houses. And one day he stopped uh, when my grandpa was outside and he said, excuse me, Mr. K. And my grandpa said, yeah, because I mean, he knew the kid. He said, I have a message from John, which would be my great grandfather's name. And he said, okay. He said, who's John? He said, he's the old man in our house. And Grandpa said he kind of thought to himself, I didn't know they had like a living grandparent, but he must. And he said, okay, well, what's John say? And he said, John told me to tell you that it's okay that the house was sold and that it got torn down. He understands. And my Grandpa said, what are you talking about? And he said, our house that we bought and tore down, John says it's okay and he understands. That's all the little boy would say. And he said, well, who is John? And the little boy said, well, he's the old man in the house. He said, well, who is this old man? And the boy kind of shrugged, and he said, I don't know, it's John. And he said, he has suspenders and a funny hat on. And he said, when do you see John? He said, at night in my bedroom. I oh, He goes, I almost always say, see John. He said, and you talk to him? He goes, yes, and he said he'll go away as soon as I let you know that it's okay that they sold the house. And Grandpa, he said he got chills because my great-grandpa always wore suspenders, overalls. He always had clothes on like that, like the kid was describing. And the funny hat that my grandpa thinks the little boy was describing was a typical old man hat where it's a huge bill on it and all that, you know. But um, my grandpa... Uh, or my great-grandpa glued a golf ball into the side of it, trying to be funny, making it look like the golf ball had hit him in the head. And that was his very odd humor. But he asked the little boy about the hat, and sure enough, the little boy said, well, he said he had the ball on his hat. And he said, that's the hat. He said, yeah. And he said, okay. He said, next time you see John, 
you tell him that I understand and for him to go home. And he said, okay. And he said that it was a week past or so. And he saw my grandpa again and he told him, he said, I told John what you said. And he said, he'd go home and thanks for the help. And grandpa said, well, I'm glad it worked out for you. So it was just a weird, it was just a weird story because that's something my great grandpa would do because I mean, he wasn't a stubborn guy, but he understood, you know, if someone else bought the property, it's theirs now, they can do what they want with it. And everyone in the family, like I said, was kind of bummed when they tore it down, but I guess that was his way of saying it was okay. So, not a very spooky story, but it was definitely a weird one. So, thanks for listening. You guys have a good day. Well, I don't think you can get more, you know, hit the nail on the head than having a golf ball glued on the side of the hat as being the indicator of whether or not it's the person you think it is. Very definitive there. Yes. And then just the message being very simple, not wanting to hang out, not wanting to scare anybody, not wanting to be, you know, ghostly man, just, hey, here's a message. And it's interesting. It kind of shows that you can still care from the other side about what other people are going to feel and what their emotions are, your families anyway. Uh, and that you want, to, apparently, some sometimes you're able to communicate some comfort and some understanding when uh, you tell that there's a lot of angst about what's uh, what's going on in the world that you're not part of anymore. Yeah. So, very interesting story. 855-853-4802. That's our number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Karen writes in, I'm so thrilled I found your podcast in iTunes. I listen to it every day at work. We moved into our current house in November of 2005, and we never had issues in the house until the following summer. I'm sure it started due to the fact that we were gutting our backyard to re-landscape it. A little background information. Our current dining room used to be a step-down den, which originally was supposed to be a garage, but the original owners of the house wanted it to be closed in and not a garage. Once we started redoing everything, I noticed how noisy the house became. Not voices or bumps or anything. More like electricity. Not really noticeable, but noticeable. Also, when we put our three-year-old to bed, I would hear him talking, like carrying on a conversation. Didn't really pay attention to it. Every Friday, my son would spend the night with my parents, and then is when I really started noticing things. When he was gone, it sounded like there was a little kid running up and down the hallway, almost like it was going through the house looking for my son. One day, after I noticed my child carrying on a conversation again, I asked him who he's talking to when he does go to bed. He said he was talking to his bear, a stuffed animal. This continued for several months. One night I had tucked him in and went to my bedroom where I and my husband were watching TV. About 45 minutes later, I heard him on the floor playing with his toys. Got a little irritated, so I told him to go to bed. And he got out of bed and was playing with his toys on the floor again. Got up, out of bed, to get him back into bed. Opened his bedroom door and all the lights were out and he was sound asleep. Then I knew there was something going on in the house. On the weekends, he would stay at my parents' house. The footsteps and other noises, such as toys moving in his room and rustling in his room, would get louder. It would get to the point where it would wake my husband up and he would hear it in the middle of the house. The actual noises never bothered me, but the fact that it was concentrating on my child's room and my child started freaking me and my husband out. 
spoke to a medium about getting the house cleansed, and she stated that this was not a friendly ghost, it was more of an entity. Since my son was so young, the entity gravitated to my son. She felt like she was getting a feeling of it being below. We have a one-story house, so the only below is the crawl space. I did not like it at all. That morning, I sat on the edge of my bed and told my husband what the medium said, and that I was going to get the house cleansed. Literally, the second after I told my husband that in the room beside our bedroom, the study, we have a heavy wooden desk chair, the type with wheels on the bottom of it. It sounded like someone picked up the chair and threw it against the wall. We both looked at each other and basically freaked out. Move forward, my neighbor across the street had her sister in town. Her sister and sister's husband were the original owners of the house. Her sister wanted to come and see all the renovations we did to the house. We came over. She asked if we had anything happen in the house. She said doors would shake and doorknobs would wiggle. Remember, our dining room was their step-down den. They had issues with the ceiling light staying on. When they couldn't figure it out, they called an electrician. He came out, got his ladder out, and looked at the light fixture. He asked them numerous times if that was the specific light they were having issues with, and they continued to say yes. He got off the ladder and asked them to go up the ladder and look at the light fixture. The husband went up the ladder. When he looked at the light fixture, there were no light bulbs. She also told me that they were working on the house when it was being built. Her husband was working in that room. A little boy came up and asked if he could help. Her husband said thanks, but he was working with sharp and dangerous electric tools. A few minutes later, the kid was still hanging around, and the kid said, Hey, mister, do you know there's someone dead under your house? Her husband stopped working and went to look at the kid and ask him what he meant. When he turned around, the kid was gone. He asked around the neighborhood to find out who the kid was, and no one knew who he was. They did a little research on the land, and apparently it used to be an old family plantation house on the property. Not much is known. Of course, after hearing my neighbor's sister's story and the medium saying she's getting the feeling from below, all I can do is think about the movie Poltergeist. You move the headstones, but not the bodies. Of course, I do not know if that is the case, but... It is all I can think about. Since the cleansing, we've not had any issues. And actually, the night after the cleansing, it was so very quiet. Thanks again for letting me share my story, and I look forward to listening to your show more in the future. Okay, in that case, would you want to know, or would you not want to know the history? Um, I I think I'd want to know. Okay. Uh, you know, what's going on there? Uh you know, you're there, you know, it's, I, it wouldn't make me move either way. It would, you know, it'd just be what it is. Would it you want to know? No, it, it wouldn't make me want to know. You? Really? Would, um, I think I'd want to dig into it more, but then I'm kind of afraid of what I would find. Well, you find something really disturbing. Does it make you move? Um. I mean, especially if nothing else is happening on the property. It's just there was a ghost little boy there who, in my opinion on this story, seemed fairly harmless. Yeah. He just kind of seemed like he was a ghost little boy trapped and was playing with toys, considering he was playing with toys, too, when no one was there to play with. You know? I know, but depending on what I find, 
it's going to be more so not the haunting itself, but whether or not I can put it out of my mind and enjoy living in that home. Sure. That's where it's going to be a problem. It's all in my head, literally. Mm-hmm. All in my head's where most of my problems are anyway. <laughs> There's no way you could live overseas, could you? Like, like, like in a very densely populated country where you're guaranteed to be on property where something has happened. Yeah. You know, here it's a fairly it's a crapshoot for the most part. I mean, or or really not. I mean, there's a lot of space here where there's literally nothing has happened on land. You know, I mean, of course there's Native Americans and such, but even that fairly spread out. You know, right. it wasn't densely populated metropolises everywhere. So I mean, there's a lot of I guess so to speak pure land where it's just <laughs> dirt and there's literally been nothing on it since glaciers. Um, you know, or floods or whatever. Um, but uh, in, an, in a country where it's, you know, so densely populated and they, you know, you just know there's been history over and over and over sure. in previous buildings. Is, you're bound to have much more go on there. I'd be happy to visit. <laughs> but you wouldn't want to... Come back home safe to nowhere, Kansas. So the letters where we get the from the homes where it's like, this house was built in 1424. I... And- <laughs> I could not even imagine. I think that's amazing that homes that old are still, you know, standing, still standing and being used as homes. Sure. And I think if they have one and they love it, that's wonderful. But I don't think I could do that. That would just bother me too much. Too much history in one place. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Speaking of history in one place. Okay. Like my transition here? Yeah, that's real smooth. Isn't it there? Speaking of, it's a very radio. Speaking of history in one place, let's talk about this, everybody. Okay? It's uh, 11 after the hour. Weather next. Um, the, uh, the, the video that we've been working on is complete. It's called Spirits in the Air, and uh, it's, it's the short film uh, about the, the former uh, Wichita airport, which... Uh, I had no idea until it was told to me was the uh, fourth most busy airport in the United States for a span of about 20 years back uh, in the, you know, the beginning of commercial air travel because airplanes couldn't fly all the way across the country. So they they needed a place to stop midway. And this was like the midway point. Well, sure. And uh, it's crazy to think of. Um, But anyway. Uh, this was the airport that was the fourth busy. You know, so it's just you know, think of the busy airports out there today, and that that's you know, tons of traffic coming through here, and people, and stories, and energy. Anyway, it's a museum now. It's uh, the uh, Kansas Aviation Museum, and oh, is it haunted! Um, it has a lot of ghost stories attached to it, and we were able to sit down and talk with uh, Lon, who's the director of it. And he shared with us about four or five really good ghost stories out of the... And he said he has like 30, 40 that's personally happened just to him. Yeah. But the people who work there, the volunteers over the years, there's there's many, many more. We're just skimming the surface here. But the stories that we did get from him were really intriguing. I mean, everything from, you know, simply lights turning on and off repeatedly where not, not just on one circuit, it just impossibilities here, um, to... A, uh, a very devious ghost writing messages in fresh paint, um, uh, almost confessing to horrific crimes uh, done in the past. It's, it's, it's really a great story, or many great stories, and I think you'll like the video too. Our EPPs are going to get to see this video. It's uh, roughly about a 25-minute film, and uh, it documents uh, some of those hauntings. Uh, at uh, at this airport, it's called Spirits in the Air. 
uh, EPPs. You're going to be getting the email uh, with the uh, the link to watch it. And uh, our EPPs are the folks who are going to get to see this video well before everybody else, months in advance. So if you're an EPP, this is another perk of being an EPP. You get access to this video way before everybody else. So be watching your email for the link to watch Spirits in the Air. And by the way, uh, another mystery is going to be revealed in this video. You get to see what we look like. Yeah, both of us. Because we are actually in it. That may be the scariest part of the video. It's horrifically bad. I mean, it's. I, I tried to light it horribly and we look like monsters. So... No, it's not. Um, but uh, so that's another thing. So anyway, uh, EPPs, watch for that. If you want to get the video, you can just become an EPP. OK, because we're going to put this in the EPP emails as well. Uh, but I'm going to send out a separate email just for this video uh, as well. So watch for that email. And then it'll also be in the EPP emails every week. Uh, so become an EPP. Sign up five bucks a month, 60 bucks a year. Uh, it supports our show. It keeps us on the air. You get all those bonus episodes, 52 bonus episodes over the course of the year. And these extras that we're throwing out there, uh, like this spirits in the air, the 25 minute uh, short film that we worked on for you guys. So, uh, I hope you really like it. We put a lot of time and effort into it and it's, it's spooky. I think my favorite thing about it is Lon is him. He is a skeptic. Yeah. And it's like, how? How can you be a skeptic after all of this shit that just happened to you? But here's the thing. He does his due diligence when these when these occurrences happen to him. Yeah. And so he tries to debunk everything himself. And so he gives us, you know, a handful of stories of things that he cannot explain with any kind of science or people coming in and testing mm-hmm. things and so you know it's just that much better it's not kind of a oh well this kind of alluded to that it's no here's hardcore what happened here is why it's impossible to be done in the physical world yeah and i don't know why it happened and i'm still kind of skeptical on ghosts but i can't explain it and so, i mean I, what got me the most was the writing and the paint when he was working on anyway you gotta watch yeah. the video it's creepy as hell and uh, I can guarantee you'll be you'll be very uh, very happy and spooked uh, by the end of it. So, uh, EPPs, watch uh, for that email. If you're not an EPP, EPP, please please be coming. You sign up to the website realghoststoriesonline.com. Erica has written into us, and uh, Erica says, "Hi, you guys. This is Erica from Seattle again. Back to tell you about my family's experiences in the house we lived in." my freshman year of high school, I moved to Evergreen, Colorado to live with my mom, her boyfriend, and my little brother, who was nine at the time. The three of them had been living in the house for about a year when I moved down. They didn't immediately tell me about their experiences, so I wouldn't get too freaked out. The first experience I had in the home was in the summer, about July, and I was watching TV in the living room. I had kicked all the animals, three dogs and a cat outside because the dogs were all barking and the cat had insisted on going out. No one was home with me. As I was watching TV, there was a picture that sat in the middle of the end table, flew off the table, and landed on the floor. I had been sitting in the middle of the couch, and there was nothing there to knock it over. My second experience was the creepiest. It was when I finally told my family about the ghost, and when my family finally decided to tell me about Fred. My mom's boyfriend had named the ghost Fred. Before I continue, I need to explain the layouts of the rambler we stayed in. It's basically one long hallway 
with the garage at the front, then the living room, kitchen, family room, then the bedrooms. I'd gotten up really early one morning, about 4.30, to see my mom was home. She had gotten a call for a last-second house cleaning, and she told me to check the garage to see if she'd be there to take me to school or not. I turned on the kitchen lights, which lit up some of the living room, which had an entire wall of windows. After I finished checking to see if she was there, I turned to face the living room, and what I saw still freaks me out. There was a dark figure taller than me, I'm a mere 5'3", and I watched it go from the garage door and into the kitchen. I was so scared. All I could do was lay on the couch with the dogs and wait for my mom's boyfriend to get up. I have so much more to tell you guys about this house, but I'll write in later for those. I just want to say that Fred never tried to hurt any of us or the animals. He just seems curious as to who was in his home and liked to pop in every once in a while. Love your show, guys. Thank you so much for playing my story. I uh, played it for my grandpa, and it really brightened his day. He tells everyone about your show, and he's a listener now. He had another story about a haunted fire station some of his buddies used to work in and plans on calling in soon. Have a good day, and be blessed. Okay, so they named their ghost Fred. Very unassuming, friendly name. What would you name a ghost haunting your house if you didn't have any idea what what they were or what their name was? Roberta. Roberta. I don't know. I that just I think it was because I was listening to Pandora earlier and I think there was a Roberta Flack song that came on. Okay. So that's I'm just trying to think of sort of somewhat obscure name that's kind of humorous in sound. I apologize <laughs> to all Robertas out there for just calling your name somewhat humorous in sound. <laughs> it's just one of those, you know, not very common names. So uh-huh. you know. You? I have no idea. It's just fun to put you on the spot like that. That's what I got. Yep. Roberta. That works. (laughs) Sam writes in, hi there. Just discovered your great great podcast, and I'm so glad I did. The story is somewhat ongoing, and I've posted in other places about it before, but didn't really get the answers I was looking for. I was hoping you could help. I live in a normal apartment with no uh, sordid history that I know of. I'd always heard strange noises in the apartment, like the sound of the refrigerator opening, doors opening and closing, and footsteps creaking. Since it's an old building, my family always made the excuse kind of along the lines of the building settling or drafty walls, but I became aware that it's more than that. One night, I was up late working in my room and heard loud footsteps past my closed door. Because I lived with my family, I assumed it was my dad. The footsteps sounded exactly like his, wearing boots. The footsteps walked past my door towards the living room, but when I opened the door to ask my father where he was going so late, no one was there. His bedroom door was closed with the light off, with him asleep inside. It would have been impossible for it to be him, and I was the only one awake. I tried to brush this off, but it continued happening every night at about the same time. Similar instances when I heard sounds of a man's footsteps and breathing in my parents' room only to go into the room to find no one there. This still happens, but only when my parents aren't there. Another time I was alone in the house, sitting on my bed, below drying my hair when I heard a voice next to my ear whisper, Shh. I turned off the blow dryer to listen more closely and heard it again and felt something or someone touch my knee, saying, Shh. Later that same day, I was eating lunch when I heard a voice from the same hallway as the footsteps called, Shh. 
This happens sporadically, and I've gotten used to it. Crazy as it sounds. A lot of paranormal things still tend to happen in this apartment, such as the time some something slammed our locked door shut during a family prayer. I felt something struck my hair while I cried over a breakup or walking up with my locked bedroom door open several times during the night while everyone was asleep. My family also has the unexplained issue of fingerprints smudged on the ceiling above the beds of all the females in the family, myself and my younger sister included. If anyone has has any insight on that, it would be greatly welcome. I've been wondering about this since I was a child. A suggestion was made that the spirits in our house could just be living out their lives. That's made me try to give them space. I've since made up my own explanation, since if I tried to explain this to the rest of my family, they'd think I was crazy. I'd like to hear some more thoughts. Thanks for listening to my crazy long story. Well, you're not crazy. And nothing in your house that's not really there should be telling you to shh. That's just... That would freak me out. Because... Maybe it's just like silence. I, I don't care. It's a quiet, loving ghost. That just would freak me out, especially if you're alone. That's just creepy when somebody alive does that, let alone, you know. You wouldn't like, I mean, so you'd, you'd be more happy if it was like you were hearing screams or something versus shh. No, I wouldn't be happy either way. No. It would just be, I don't know. If you had to pick. If I had to pick... You get, you get, here's your options. You get a child laughing. Just down the hall, you hear like a, <laughs> you know, just the fun. Yeah. Kind of eerie child laughter when there's no children in your house. You get a blood curdling scream off in the distance, but still distinctly somewhere in your home. Or you get to someone whispering in your ear, shh. Okay. Which one would you pick? I would probably take the shh because the kids See, laughing. not that bad. The kid laughing when my kids aren't home would drive my anxiety through the roof. And then the scream, nobody can deal with that. Yeah. So I guess I would take the shh, but that's still very creepy. <laughs> I did put it in perspective a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you did put it in very good perspective. It is creepy, but I don't know, fairly hard. What creeps me more out is the, the fingerprints above the bed. Yeah, what is that all about? I would get a forensic stare or a police, if you have a friend who's a police investigator, and run the prints. Yeah. I really want to, Can you could do that, couldn't you? If you could get the uh, evidence of the print, could you... Are they detailed enough, I wonder, where you could run a print? Or if it's just like a smudge mark where it's like a fingerprint? If, if you can tell it's a hand, or if you can tell actual fingerprints. There's a big... Yeah, big difference. Know, big difference there. If you had the resources and somebody that could do that, then yeah. check it out. That would be really interesting. What if they did and they came back? Oh, it's a serial killer from uh, 1934. I'd be done. <laughs> then I think I would leave the house. You think so? That would be one of those cases where I'm like, okay, I'm done. Oh, so I don't know what it means. Uh, I mean, it sounds fairly harmless for what it's doing to them. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, there's many cases where it starts out like that and it gets bad pretty quick. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. If you guys want to start up a thread on the message board with your thoughts on the fingerprints and all that to answer some of those questions and give some feedback, I'm sure that would be very much welcome. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us let's go over to another caller hello you are on real ghost stories online hey guys it's mr negron the uh, truck driver from connecticut called in with the uh, story about black-eyed grandpa got another one for you with uh in regards to astral projection been learning about it uh lately for probably the last three months it's um it's kind of consuming me because it happened by accident and uh Ever since then, I've had one other episode. The first episode was, uh, which I had no knowledge of it, you know, prior to um, to the net one occurrence, and uh, was laying in bed one night and having problems, uh, falling asleep, and uh, I ended up uh, kind of drifting off, and then just kind of floating up to my ceiling, literally like a balloon, you know, and. Um, what I noticed was that my conscious uh, was still in my body, and I also had a dual conscious, which was that conscious of floating up to the ceiling. I was able to um, still go ahead and uh, um, kind of realize what I wanted to do on my subconscious. Not my subconscious, but my, my, refl- my, my double. Um, I remember, you know, floating up to the ceiling and kind of like, wow, what is going on? This is, this is magnificent. This is cool, man. What the fuck is going on here? You know, and then my conscious that's in my, 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 my body is like, dude, what's going on here? You know, and they're like, they're synced together. You know what I mean? It's weird. And my other self as I'm up to the ceiling I'm like why am I floating up to the ceiling like a balloon you know what's going on here I had a window there was a window there and I got fixated on the uh, you know the uh, the trim that goes around your window and I'm like wow that looks cool what is this you know and I'm like that's I had just recently painted the windows of the trims all around it and I'm and I'm there in my astral self and I'm like oh, I did a good job that looks great I want to go outside and as soon as I went out, I thought about wanting to go outside, boom, I'm out the window. And I, like, gradually, like, fell down to the ground. And I remember, it, you know, it's nighttime. And in the astral field, it's not, it wasn't nighttime. It was, like, silhouetted. It was, it was lit up, but it was not normal, you know. It was actually quite beautiful. Um, needless to say, I... Uh, was just fascinated and I, I got a little overexcited. Like I wanted to go do this. I wanted to go do that. Not once did I ever think about, you know, wanting to go back to my body. Um, and then I remember thinking, I want to go for a walk, you know? And when I started to, to, to kind of walk, it was like a baby trying to learn how to walk again, you know? Um, so I realized that whatever I thought would, would actually happen. Um, that particular night, my my son Hayden was you know in bed with me. Uh, he's four years old, and uh, he kicked me. And as soon as he kicked me, boom! 
right back into my body. I woke up. I'm like, oh, my Lord, what just happened? And I was able to remember it, you know, like it really, like it, you know, it really happened, which it did, you know. Anyway, so I was fascinated from that point on, and I continued to, to go through with it and learn about it, saturate my mind with it, listening to podcasts in regards to it, you know, reading books, you know, looking it up online, um, step by step, and uh, I, I just got frustrated. It wasn't happening again until a few weeks later, I'm laying there, and I told myself I'm going to, you know, I was listening to some binarial beats, and I, uh, I drifted off. And then something, you know, kind of like woke me up in my dream. It was, it was like a, uh, a vivid dream at first, a lucid dream they call it. And then I became aware and I knew I was in a dream. But then all of a sudden I reminded myself consciously to astral project. And that lucid dream led into a full-blown body separation astral projection. And I remember I was like brought to this place where it looked like a highway of souls, man. I mean, it was just, I know it sounds crazy, but it was like the matrix of, of all creation. It was, it, was, it was just weird, man. And there was people all around me that were astral bodies, you know. This one person, which looked like a guide, came to me and said, you know, you should not be here, you know, this is, you're dabbling, and yada, 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 and then he, you know, he kind of said to me, um, I know what you're doing, you're trying, because you're trying to be somewhere that you're not, and right away, I knew exactly what he was talking about, he was talking about my family, at that particular weekend, they were up at our uh, cabin up in Lake George, New York, and I really wanted to be there, but I had to work, so I couldn't go, and when that guide ended up taking me to another realm, which was Lake George, I saw my children, my wife, my kids, you know, I, I saw my mom and dad, which they were all up there in Lake George in real life. And they were in this gazebo, and in that gazebo, they were getting ready to take a snapshot. It was early morning, you know, it was really sunny, you know, the fog was just lifting up off the lake, gorgeous, water like glass, and the gazebo was in front of the water. And they were taking a picture before going, you know, to breakfast. Well, make a long story short, when they got back home, my wife, because I'm into the paranormal, she goes, "Hun, you got to check this out. Look at these pictures we took, right? And when the pictures that they took were from my, my mom's, I call it the pterodactyl camera, which is this old freaking Polaroid, you know. And she um, shows me these pictures, and these pictures were of them, under the gazebo, and as soon as I saw the gazebo, I went, it, it, I got blown away, because I remembered. And as she's going through the pictures, she goes, look at this one. There's this mass of, like, kind of like a, you know, like, we've all seen it, you know, these fog apparition-type things, you know, in pictures, and, you know, it's a ghost, and everything else. Well, in that picture, right where I was standing, in that astro field, um, alongside them, with my guide, in the picture, you can clearly see two two presents sitting, you know, standing, you know, kind of set aside from the party being taken the picture and and whatnot. And I just thought, I mean, it was fascinating. I was like, oh my god! I'm like, you don't even understand. I started to tell them, my wife, you know, well, you guys did this and Hannah did that and and blah 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 blah. And you guys were talking about this, and she was like. How do you know that? And I told her what this whole story was, which I'm telling you, and it blew everybody's minds away. Anyway, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. 
I got another story about uh, when we were down in Florida, but I'll call back at another time with that. Other than that, I'm getting ready to hit the road here, man. So you guys have a uh, good weekend, and um, I'll look forward to hearing it on the uh, podcast uh, in a few days. Take care. Okay, so that is basically the other side of astro projection. And that's really interesting to have that experience and to see what that's like. Because, um, you know, we, we always hear about it. It We see that person that we know that's mm-hmm. looking like a ghost, but we know they're not dead. So It's being the ghost from the ghost perspective when you're not a ghost. It sounds really cool. I'd be afraid to do it because I'd be afraid that I'd do it wrong and then I'd be dead forever. But... Not that you're really dead when that happens, but that's where my mind goes. Yeah, I would think I would screw that up somehow. And <laughs> yeah. Be like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the story. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Another letter says, I guess we all have that one area with a creepy building and terrifying stories attached to it. Where I live, it was a building where apparently shadows are not allowed. Now, this confused us all because everything has a shadow. It is quite mind-boggling to think of a place where shadows are not allowed. We've also heard that this building used to be a hot spot for witches and Satanists to do weird rituals inside. I've been invited by a couple of friends of mine to be brave and venture into this strange building. Something for YouTube, I guess, but... There have been stories of other people who have been in there and came out different. When I say different, I mean possessed, insane, or just never again the same. But to be honest, that just made this abandoned building even more attractive to venture into. We would talk about it at school. We imagined getting high and letting the drugs do its work. We even started to speak of making this abandoned building our new hangout space. Eventually, it was me and two of my fellow friends who decided to go into this ghastly abandoned building when the day came. We prepared ourselves mentally. It was after school that all three of us met up. The day was quiet, and not many people were driving or walking about. It was one of those quiet days, and that made it even creepier. Me, Thomas, and Fred stood outside this building, and just taking in its atmospheric uh, effects into our brains. We could clearly see from standing outside looking in from the open front door that there were injections and finished alcohol bottles all over the place. There was a street lamp just outside this building causing a shadow on us three. As we stepped in, there was a sensational, strange, tingly feeling throughout our entire bodies and our heads felt really tight. We had torchlights with us. When all three of us looked outside, we could clearly see that all three of us and all three of our shadows were outside on the front doorsteps under the lamppost. We all looked at each other and started laughing in amazement. We shone the torchlights at each other and no shadow was formed at all. This experience completely dazzled all of us. Literally, not one of us had a shadow. There was, though, a golden shiny vein across our arms. All three of us swore we had never had this golden vein inside of us before. We decided to explore this building, and all three of us were muttering to each other and joking about, This is creepy as fuck! Fred spoke. Yeah, I know, imagine sleeping here. Thomas replied, I bet some have. Fred spoke again. It's weird, we don't have any shadows anymore being in this building. I added to the conversation. 
As time went by, Fred started complaining that something was following him, and that he can see something moving out of the corner of his eyes. I and Thomas joked around with him about it, and Fred was serious about what he was saying. Then a shadow-like figure was following him. I and Thomas then reassured Fred that there are no shadows in this building, and we shone our torchlights at Fred, and other objects which showed no shadows forming at all. Then something moved so quickly, which made all three of us blink. Fred fell to the floor. I and Thomas quickly aided Fred on the floor, while at the same time I had noticed something strange about Fred's arm. His golden vein was chopped in half, and then suddenly it disappeared. Then black veins started forming around his body. Fred started checking. I and Thomas tried our best to carry Fred back downstairs with all our strength. Near the front open door, I noticed Fred's shadow that was once outside the front door of this building, as it wasn't allowed to come in, had now disappeared, but mine and Thomas's shadow was still there under the street lamp. Then Fred started speaking, but it wasn't his voice. It was something else. I've been without a body for a long time, and now I have found one, Fred spoke. I and Thomas started trying, uh, tr- Thomas tried speaking to Fred in his strange state, but being still inside near the front door, Fred spoke explaining to us, or the thing inside him started to explain, more things about this building. It's not that shadows aren't allowed inside, but birth shadows with masters or bodies are not allowed inside. I and Thomas looked at each other, and Fred had a new shadow, as we can see it forming and trying its best to adapt to Fred's body inside the building. These shadows that live in the building are lost, like samurais that a master or purpose. The golden vein in our arms were the connection with our birth shadows, which Fred's golden vein had been cut. This new evading shadow had been waiting in this building for a long time. The shadow he was born with had been cut off completely. Our shadows do more than just follow us. They are the first protection against demonic possession and much more. I and Thomas knew that we both were also sitting ducks and could end up like Fred. We both quickly drug Fred out of the building. My and Thomas's shadows were now connected with us, except Fred. We took him to the hospital. Fred is still being treated, and we will hope he gets better. I wish we never went in there. Okay, so essentially they went in this building where only shadow people are allowed. So your regular shadow can't be in there? Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Um, I don't know what to understand. Okay. Out of it. I, I guess that makes sense. From the, from the story, I think it's what they're trying to say. The birth shadow, meaning your natural shadow, like from the sun or mm-hmm. nat, you know, light, the shadow that you have can't be in there, but the shadow people can. And that's the shadows that are there are shadow people. How do you explain that to the ER? <laughs> yeah, really? really? So, shadow people took his shadow. How do you say that without yourself getting admitted <laughs> at that point? I, I don't even know what you would do. It's quite a tale. Um, I, I don't know if I if if I buy that one, um, but nonetheless, it's a good story. <laughs> so that's two days in a row. It's two days in a row where I've had one. More, but I'm not going to... That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. You know, I'm not here to discount any stories or, or say they're true or false or whatnot. I'm just telling you what I personally feel. Because it is quite a story. If you got more to it, I'd love to hear it. 
Um, you know, and, and keep us updated on your friend's situation if he's in the hospital. Um, but it is quite a tale. And it is so, a good story. It's a good story, yeah. And I think it's understandable why I think a lot of folks could have a bit of reservation on that one, you know, compared to some others. Just because it is, it is so out there, if you will. Or it's quite a steep hill to climb. <laughs> okay. So to speak. But... I don't know. What do you guys think of that one? Do you think it's it's uh, it's a possibility? Do you think anything like this could exist, or, or maybe someone else has been in this building? Maybe there's you know maybe there's some more validity to it. So I, I'd love to hear it. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is a phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi. This is Beatrice um, from Guatemala. Well, actually, not from Guatemala anymore. I I just moved back to the States this week. But I wanted to tell you a story that happened in Guatemala, like I promised after those other ones I wrote in or called about. Um, As you heard, because other people in stories have mentioned it, in Latin America and Mexico on November 1st, it's a holiday of sorts, um, All Saints Day. In Guatemala, it is celebrated with uh, two things. One is a a dish, um, food, called fiambre, which is a mix of vegetables and meats, cold cuts, sausages, poultry, fish, etc. Basically marinated in vinegar and uh, consomme, People love it. It's really expensive if, if done well. And um, that's the traditional dish for that day. And the second thing is that everyone with their family goes to the local cemetery to visit dead relatives. They eat usually um, in the cemetery, this fiamba dish, or at least that was a local tradition until a couple years ago. Now people, I guess they eat, then they go to the cemetery, but I digress. My boyfriend uh, from the States was visiting me two years ago in Guatemala. And besides taking him to visit archeological sites, I decided to let him see local traditions. So on November 1st, we took a taxi to the local cemetery which is a humongous chunk of land. And before you think it's odd that I take him to a cemetery, well, it wouldn't be odd through the program, but anyway, uh, the Guatemalan cemetery is beautiful. It has different types of architecture on the mausoleums. We have everything from a pyramid, an Egyptian pyramid, uh, to classic Greek, to ecological ones. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So as we walk into the cemetery, we're just like, you know, walking down the streets. And all of a sudden in the distance, we see this, I'm going to say neo-Gothic construction with the stained glass windows. And it's really, really tall because we can see it from away. So it's like, ah, look at that. And we start walking towards it. And all of a sudden, we're off the beaten path. Um, basically, we're already walking in the tall grass. I guess upkeeping at the cemetery isn't a priority. But we're off the street. We're off the sidewalk. We're just walking in between mausoleums. 
and uh, looking for this thing. We, we have it up in the distance. So finally we make it towards this mausoleum, and it's just a shock because as we're approaching it, we can see that something's wrong. And uh, this mausoleum had had like a little chapel inside of it, and uh, as we approach, we see that the iron door that um, that the chapel was behind was sledgehammer off the concrete. I mean, it wasn't just pulled out. Someone actually took a sledgehammer and just beat the door off, and it was thrown to a side. And inside the chapel, it seemed that there had been like a little altar table with a huge... Um, almost life-size crucifix with the Christ on it. But it only, nothing remained except for, I think, one of the arms with the hand, with, with the nail, and the bottom part of the legs, I'm guessing a little bit lower than the knees down. And that was it. I have no idea where the rest of the parts were. So we didn't even go in. It's like, oh my God, you know, what, what happened here? So... We both, like, separated, and we went around this construction to meet towards the back. And the back was even stranger because it had these um, two gargoyle things. They were, I don't know if they were the hounds of hell, <laughs> rats, or what. I mean, they were just these grotesque, huge animals. I mean, as long as my arm, that were supposedly coming down from the roof of the mausoleum and one of them was the front of it was destroyed so you could only see the back part and the other one the front part was still visible and the back was destroyed needless to say the majority of the stained glass windows up on the on the steeps or whatever you call those things they were destroyed I mean so we're, we're looking around this and we're actually talking like you know who would do this or, or you know not who would vandalize it who would put these grotesque figures on their final resting place. And all of a sudden, you know, we're like walking and we turn around towards what we had our back to. And it's this Stephen King-esque scenery because I'm going to say maybe uh, 50 feet away from where we were, there was this huge drop, a ravine. And I have heard that with each um, hurricane that goes through Central America, the ravine claims more and more of the cemetery, so it's just eating it up. And I guess we were really close to the edge. And down a ways, we could see all the vultures, and uh, there were um, those, like, tombs that go in the wall. I, I don't know what you call those. And people were down there, you know, cleaning up. So I mean, there was at least 500 of those little holes in the wall together, a big wall of those. And there were people cleaning up, putting flowers and stuff, and the vultures flying overhead. It was just grotesque because there was this humongous cross up there. And um, where we were standing, there was sunlight, but in the back, towards where we were looking at, it was cloudy. It, w it was just really creepy. And then all of a sudden, we... We're going to walk out of there because we were creeped out. And in between the tombs, now these are risen tombs or raised tombs, not mausoleums, but like the tombs in the ground, they're raised in a concrete block. There was a little girl. Now, I'm terrible with ages because I've never had children, so I really don't know. But I would say she looked maybe six, 
but she talked like eight or nine. And um, she's uh, dark-skinned, and she's wearing, I would say, like a short and tank top combo. And it was a very off-white, sort of grayish. My impression was that it was dirty. But, you know, it, it really didn't seem out of place because she was running around in the dirt. She had like a bowl-cut, dark, straight hair. She was a pretty girl, you know, pretty-looking little girl. And um, we look at her, and before we can say anything, she does the come here motion, not with the palm towards her, but the palm going down to my boyfriend. And she says, Veni canche, which in Spanish slang, canche is like blondie. And so basically she was saying, come here, blondie. I look at my boyfriend, and uh, he's freaked out, okay? He's just like scowled and, and looks somewhere else and acts like he didn't hear anything. And uh, eventually the little girl just skips away. So, you know, when we're out, when we get out, we go back towards like the main streets in the cemetery. And I, that was pretty odd. I wonder what she was doing there. And we, I guess we both agreed that probably her family was down where those walls were fixing up the, the, the graves. And she got bored and was probably just skipping around. I have no idea why she said, come here, Blondie, to my boyfriend. So um, we kept walking around the cemetery, looking, you know, taking in the, the structures and stuff. Then we sat in front of a Grecian temple uh, for a while. And um, once, we, once we had rested, we kept walking. And then we went to all the president's um, tombs. And we sat upon a couple of tombs and talked. And I was explaining, you know, what it, what it was like and that the morgue is in the back. And um, all of a sudden, I see that little girl from the beginning skipping amongst the tombs. And she smiles at me and waves. So I smile back and I wave at her and I go, oh, there's that little girl. And my boyfriend says, where? Well, finally, to make a long story short, we get home that evening, and as I'm cooking dinner, we're talking about the day's events. You know, it was just really weird because, well, there's a bunch of traditional folk folkloric things going around. And um, we finally come up to the little girl, and I go, you know, I really wonder why she was alone there. And my boyfriend says, well, she was with her sister. I don't think it was a problem. What do you mean she was with her sister? Well, when she was there, when we first saw her, she was standing next to the other little girl that looked just like her. What do you mean? I didn't see the other little girl. So my boyfriend swears that when this girl said Veni Canche, she was standing next to another little girl, which I never saw. And then he says, you know, and then I saw her again when we were at the Grecian temple. I was playing peekaboo with her because she was hiding behind a mausoleum. I know I did notice you were acting strange. I thought you had heat stroke or something because he did keep moving his head and it seems that he was playing peekaboo with this little girl, which I could not see then, the, the original little girl, not the sister that I didn't see in the beginning. And then he didn't see the little girl when I saw her at the president's tombs when she went skipping away and waved at me. So, well, that's my ghost story for um, today. Actually, after when I mentioned it to my friends, they did say that when we were standing, by the way I described it, there used to be a section of the cemetery that was for children, like the children's section. And um, 
I think most of it has already gone into the ravine, like I explained before. And my friends were saying, well, you know what? You might have been just standing really close to where the children's section used to be. But that was our ghost. Um, thank you very much. I really enjoy your show. And I will call in because I have another story about why, well, a theory on why all the public buildings in Guatemala are haunted. Okay, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Interesting story of the haunted little girl that shows up. Little girls. Girl? Two of them. Well, that's interesting. That he saw two. She saw one. I'm, I don't. I can't figure out the meaning behind that one. And then they could pick who they wanted to see, who they wanted to see them, mm-hmm. and when. Yeah. That's just strange. Very, very creepy. Thank you for calling in and sharing your real ghost story with us. The phone number is 855-853-4802. If you'd like to share your real ghost story with us, we're going to discuss something you heard in the show today, do so on the message board or the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you're not an EPP yet, hey, please consider becoming one. You get a bonus episode every single week, five bucks a month, or you do 60 bucks for the full year. Uh, and you get some extras, like that new video that's uh, being released to our EPPs today. Spirits in the air about the haunted airport. It's uh, it's creepy. It's a 25-minute short film that we put together for you. And you get to see what we look like, so that's exciting, too. Anywho, check it out. Uh, sign up to be an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. So until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.